Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, how many of you guys remember what I talked about last week? Holiness. Sounds like a dirty word for some people. (laughs) Or a boring word for some people. Gosh, that's boring. That's not exciting. I wanted to do something exciting at church. (laughs) Holiness can be very exciting. It can be very exciting. And we talked a little bit about that last week. And I have quite a bit more for you. So um, turn Isaiah 35.8 first off. But I do want to review a little bit of what I talked about last week. So last week I talked about choosing holiness, that it's a choice. And Noah did it, and we're still talking about him today. He chose it, and we talked about, you know, what benefits are there to choosing it. Do you think Noah saw some benefits that day that it flooded the earth? (laughs) He was cruising, (laughs) He saw some benefits. His whole family was saved. He was saved. All the rotten people who had been tormenting him for years and years and years, you know, it's sad that they're gone, but he was right. He did, he, he chose holiness. He chose God. God is holy. And he saw the benefits. And we talked about, is it possible? Is it possible to live holy? And I gave you a scripture in Ezekiel 36 where it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take out of your, out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And so if you choose holiness, God's saying, Hey, If you're walking in my statutes and you're keeping them, you will be holy. And this is what I'm going to do for you. You shall dwell in the land I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people. I'll be your God. I will deliver you. I will multiply your your food, your, your livestock, all the stuff that you have. He said, I'll multiply the fruit of your trees and increase of your fields. So he's saying there's great benefits if you will do this. And back in the old day, they had it a bit tougher than we do. I feel like today we've got no excuse. We have the spirit of the living God on the inside of us. We have the grace of God to yield to what's already inside of us. It's already there. And God designed us for this. It fits us. How many of you guys like clothes that don't fit? No. You don't like stuff that doesn't fit you or is uncomfortable. If you're unhappy, check up on your holiness level. <laughs> are, you, are you living holy? Are you following in his word? Are you following in his statutes? Check up on yourself because it doesn't fit you. It's going to be uncomfortable. Amen? So we talked about is it possible? Yes. And we talked about if, and, and a lot of this reviews for, for you guys, I know you guys were pulled out last week and you had a good time. The, the older, the, the young singles, sorry, you know who I'm talking about? 
you guys. Anyway, go back and listen to last week. This is, you can't use this as an excuse, but I am reviewing for you guys. Actually, I'm reviewing for everybody. But we talked about needing to remain holy to be used at the highest level by the Lord. We talked about the importance of that. The Corinthians made an excuse. Well, God's still using us, and we're being crazy. And the warnings came in. No. And I believe that, you know, and I've seen people like that. I've seen revivals like that. People got arrogant. They thought, well, I don't have to live holy. God's still using me because he wants to reach these people. It doesn't really matter what I do. Yeah, it does. And then those revivals fizzled out and died. And they're, they're going to have a large part of responsibility for that. And I'm not saying that's the only reason. But if you do some study on past revivals and moves of God, you can see it in there. It's definitely in there with some of the some guys who were used in some mighty ways. So it's important. We want, God takes you from glory to glory. We want to stay on that path. Amen? It's important. All right. Where am I at? So I have to take a little side journey because the Lord talked to me this morning on the way to school. It seems like a side journey. It kind of is, kind of isn't. But when he tells me to say something, I have to say it. And I just, I do what, what he wants, when he wants, and I've just purposed to do that whenever, because it's what's important, it's what's important for now, even if it's for one person, and I don't believe it's just for one person, but, but anyway, so bear with me, I hope you're, you guys are all listening and awake, I know everybody's been at work today, or been at school, and maybe you had aggravating people and you're tired, pinch yourself, we tell the youth next door, pinch yourself, it's worth staying awake for, it's worth listening, it's worth taking notes, God is worth listening, worth taking notes, amen, it's not about me, it's about what he wants to say to you, amen, so you know, if things in your life aren't satisfactory, like if, if you're not happy, you know, with your home life, if you're not happy with your work life, if you're just someone, you're happy with all that, but you're like, man, I just want to see God move more. I'm not satisfied. And honestly, I think we all should have a, a level of that. We're not satisfied. You know, we want to see God be able to do more. Well, you know, get in your prayer closet. And get with God. Don't just remain satisfied. Don't just let it go. Well, maybe that's for someone else to pray through. No. Get in your prayer closet. God will speak to you. He's wanting to change some things. And he loves to do it through you. He loves to do it through you. Don't make excuses. Well, I'm nobody. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just this or that. And, or I'm not perfect. Get in your prayer closet. Spend some time, and I'm not saying like in five minutes or you spend an hour once that you're going to see this large, you know, major, massive changes, but do it. Do it until you see the changes. Amen? But be ready. Be ready. If you do this, here's the thing. God will speak to you and I would say probably 80-90% of the time about something you can do or something you can change. And honestly, if you heard the saying, it's the little things, it should be in the Bible. <laughs> it probably is in one way or another. It is. Michelle says it is. It is. 
It's in there. (laughs) Reference it next week. I'll give it to you. It is. Well, because it is the little things. Little things are huge. It's the little things that sometimes need to be changed, need to be tweaked. Um, Holiness in our lives is a simple tweak that we can change. If you look at it that way, it's something that we can do or we can change. And that's how I'm going to tie all this in. Not that I have to, but anyway, be prepared. Listen, it is the little things. God's not going to hand you some Einstein equation and say, deal with it, solve it, figure it out. Here's, you know, here it is. He might ask you to do something, but it's going to be simple. It's going to be easy. It might be hard on your flesh, but that doesn't mean that it's truly hard. You have the grace to change it, whatever it is. Listen, most people get divorced over little things that have built up and built up and built up and built up. It's little things. You might think, listen, you might think something's no big deal. Don't have that attitude. Take things seriously. If, if you're doing something that's aggravating somebody, stop. Just stop. I gave you that scripture last week about pursuing peace with all people. Pursue peace. That's how you can do it. Pursue peace, and it says pursue holiness. Amen? So another area that's important um, that, you know, we may need to um, tweak or change is being in one accord and or strife. And we don't want any of that in our homes, right? Well, we don't want it in our homes. We don't want it in our relationships. And you have better relationships when you're in one accord. And we don't want it in here. Amen? Next door, I know if stuff starts to rile up and we know kids are, you know, bickering or whatever, we try our best to nip it in the bud right away. Because it's not cool. How many of you guys have kids? Do you enjoy when they bicker? Oh, my goodness. It's so aggravating. And I don't, how many times I've told my kids, I said, stop. You know, this, this is so aggravating. This, this, is, this is how, when you do this, this is what God hears. When, when we bicker, it, it looks like that to him. It, it can't be a blessing to him either. So we don't want that. Just decide that it's not worth it. It's not worth it with anybody. It is not worth it. I'm going to say it again. It is not worth it. I don't care how big or how little being in strife and not being in one accord in here or at home or whatever. It is not worth it. So over the summer, we did some hiking and things out in Utah. And one day... I'm proud to say I, I went on all the hikes except for one day. <laughs> I'm like taking mom one day to rest and pray because they, they went out to, I'm pointing at Carson because she, she went with us. They went to like um, this really scary trail and I'm like, I'm staying home. I'm going to pray for you guys. And I did. I did relax too. So after I got done praying while they're all out hiking, um, I watched this documentary and it was about these guys who, uh, they're like, 
adrenaline junkie kind of guys, if I would describe them, um, outdoor stuff, and they're, they were really big into kayaking. And their thing was, we're going to find all the most difficult and the biggest waterfalls to kayak off of. I mean, straight down. And they, they go all over the world. And so I'm, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting because that's crazy. I would never do that. And this is a wonderful distraction from this hike that they're doing that I was very nervous about my kids doing. So I watched them kill themselves and <laughs> believe God that my family is fine. And they were. It was good. But anyway, so I noticed that these guys, like one was from Germany, one was from Poland, England, one was from America, one was uh, from a South African, and they all came together, and I can't remember where. I think it was in the U.S. somewhere, but I'm not sure. They all came together, flew in, you know, they, they talk online, and they didn't, like, they don't they weren't friends other than they're all seeking this one thing and they love to kayak and they love to to you know test the boundaries of of how far they can go and how dangerous they can be and so they all fly in and they have to camp and hike really far to get to where this waterfall is. And then they have to prepare. There's just certain things that they have to do to prepare for it. They don't just get on the kayak and try it. They actually are, you know, more safe about it than, than that. And so I realized, you know, they all got together and at the end that, you know, they, they, they camped for three or four days and I'm watching them and like, they're, they're all, they, they speak different languages, but they all have like different music they listen to. They have different foods that they like, different ways they do hygiene. I mean, there was all these huge differences in these guys and it didn't matter at all. Like they had the best time. They laughed. They had so much joy. They were so supportive with each other and what they were doing. They kept this, they had in their minds this, this, the, the one thing that brought them together was doing the, the waterfall and the kayak. And it didn't matter about any of those other things. They had an awesome time. And they, any differences, and they had a lot of differences, they completely set aside. And they had no problem setting aside. And so when it was over, I was like, Lord. Why can't we do that in the church? <laughs> we have a common goal. We have, and listen, I am not t- saying this tonight because I know if something's going on or somebody's fighting or I don't know nothing. I'm just doing, I'm just saying what the Lord talked to me about this morning. He got my attention while I was driving because I already had this message. I had it last week, got it this week, you know, but he reminded me of this and I'm like, okay, you know. I need to talk about it. He's faithful. He's timely. We can set aside. All that stuff doesn't matter. There's so much stuff it doesn't matter. If we keep our eyes like they did on the goal of coming in here, worshiping God, learning, 
being with one another, being in the church, doing just doing doing what God's asked us to do as a church, we can set aside all those things and have the kind of joy they had. I mean, these guys weren't even godly. Like, we know better. Amen? We can do that. It's so important. And then he reminded me, I forgot I had saved this a while back. It's super cool. So in 1727, I found this online, the Moravians... Moravian Church, I don't know if you've heard of them. The Moravians, it doesn't really matter, but fled their home because of religious persecution to Saxony, Germany. Their new community was made up of the Moravian Church of the Brethren. It was Baptists, Lutherans, and Reformers. Because of doctrinal differences, there was great disunity and constant bickering. They decided to enter into a covenant where they only emphasized the points that they agreed on. And that's, a, that's an awesome practical tip right there. Focus on what you agree on. We agree on Jesus, amen. We agree, agree on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we agree on God. They decided to focus on the points they agreed on. This resulted in an extraordinary move of prayer in the community. And on August 13, 1727, they all received, all received, all those different people, the Lutherans, Reformers, the Baptists, the Moravian people, it said they all received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as the church exploded with a move of the gifts of the Spirit. It became known as a modern Pentecost. A great hunger for the word took hold of everyone, and they began holding services three times a day. They desired above anything else that the Holy Spirit would have full control. This wonderful move of God's Spirit turned into an around-the-clock prayer meeting that, as a result, over 100 missionaries carried the gospel from this small community into every nation in Europe, which was more than the evangelical church had done in two centuries. Two centuries. It's the little things, guys. The little things. Little things. Getting upset over little things. They can be tweaked, and look what you can do. Look what's possible. They changed Europe. They did more than what had been done in two centuries. That's amazing. It's so important. It's so important that no matter what it is, you know, we, we listen to God and we do things his way. Amen. You know, he wants to move in and through us in big ways. Amen. How many of you guys want to see God move more? How many of you want him to use you? The little things matter. Amen. All right, now I'm going to get back to my message. Are you guys in Isaiah 35, 8? I know you are. You're like, please read it. It's been on here for 15 minutes. So I love the scripture. I found this when I was studying on holiness months ago. I found the scripture and, and shared it with a few people, and they're like, uh, okay, you know, it's not that exciting, but I don't know. I found it exciting. It says, a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. 
It says, although a fool, you could say, whoever walks the road, even though a fool, shall not go astray. So fools can be on this road. You can be an idiot, but if you choose God, (laughs) it's okay. (laughs) He's not saying you have to be smart. He's saying, just follow after me and choose me, choose holiness. I'll take care of the rest. So there's three things I notice in the scripture. He's talking about a highway. You know, he could have said a path or a trail. How many of you guys have ever hiked? How many of you have ever hiked? I know you can answer this. You've hiked where there was no trail. And that's difficult. There's probably stuff you got to move out of the way. Um, you got to. Pick up your feet a little bit more. It's, it's a lot more of a pain. But God was saying, he said a highway. And a highway is awesome when it's moving. <laughs> when it's moving, it's great. You get from point A to point B. And he's saying, when you're walking in holiness, he's saying, there's a highway. You're going to get there. You're going to be on the fast track. So if you're worried about not getting where you're supposed to be, don't worry about it. Do it God's way, you will get there. And he also said a road. It means that there's a path available for you that you are made for, and it's easy to walk on. It's easy to walk on. You just have to yield to it. And I love how he talks about the fool. Like I said, you do not have to be perfect. You do not have to be super smart. And I can say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. You do not have to be a genius, but if you choose God and you choose holiness, you'll stay on that highway, you'll stay on that road, you'll stay clear of, of all the sticks, all the, the brush, all the whatever else is out there. You won't have to move things out of the way. It won't be hard. You know, one time we were, at, we were in a retreat on one of our ski trips, and I was not... It was a new place. I was not familiar with where I was at, where the lifts were. And so I skied down to this place, and, and I don't even know how I got lost. But I got lost, and it was awful. Like, you know, the stuff's very heavy anyway. The, the boots, and then you're, I had to take off my skis, and I was hiking it, trying to find where the lift was, trying to get back on the road, back on the the highway of the lift is going to just quickly take me back where I'm supposed to be. It was awful. If you don't choose holiness, that's where you're going to be. You're going to struggle. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. And and, and you'll know, you'll know if you're choosing it or not, because God will speak to you and he'll say, no, that's not for you. That's not good. Or maybe it's not even sin. It's just, that's not good for you. You need to lay it down. Or it's not good for you now. You need to lay it down. Just do it. Just do it. Stay on the path. Stay on the highway. Because you want to get from point A to point B. Trust me. God has amazing things for you when you get there. So turn to Ezekiel 36, 36. So... Um, the whole reason I even started this message was back in December, um, I teach first graders for the most part, a few second graders, and I was walking one of the kids um, back to their class, and this little first grader is most adorable. How many of you guys have grandchildren? 
I think I'm already feeling the grandchild bug because I just look at these kids and I'm like, I don't remember my kids being this cute. <laughs> They're so adorable. <sighs> my kids aren't in here, so they can't hear it. So, so adorable. And then some of them have speech problems and it makes them even cuter. Or they have speech problems because they were missing half their teeth. And it's just, you know, ramps it up to even higher, cuter level. And they're just hilarious, the stuff they say. But one of the things that just really marks first graders is their joy level. Like, I mean, they're, they're either one or the other. They're either having a tantrum and losing their stuff over. They spilt their chocolate milk or whatever. Or, but most of the time, they are happy, 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 fun. They're so innocent. And so I was just enjoying my day, enjoying the kids that I get to hang out with. And, and I just was, I dropped them off and I was walking back to class or walking back to my office. And I was like, Lord, that is so, he's so cute. And I'm like, it's so sad he's going to grow up. It's so sad. I said, he's so innocent. Like, what is better than that? And he got my attention and he said, holiness. And I'm like, whoa, Really? Like, I never thought about that. I was just thinking how sad it is. You know, they lose that. They grow up. They, they get into sin. They turn into monsters as teenagers next door. <laughs> no, just kidding. And I realized the way God sees us is totally different. And I wasn't seeing things correctly. And I'm like, okay, I need to study this out. I need to find out exactly what he's talking about And I realized anybody at any moment in time can become holy. It's like becoming that beautiful, full of joy child, innocent child. You can live a lifetime of unholiness and craziness. And when you find Jesus, you can become that. You can become holy. That's the good news. The gospel is always good news. And even if you knew better and you kind of, you know, roller coaster in it, you can just stop right now and say, no, I'm choosing that. I'm choosing that path because I want to be brought back to that place. I want God to look down at me and be like, oh, they're so cute. They're just so, they're such a blessing. I just love them. They're so great. Don't you want them to look at you that way? You know, we can't. We can. It's something that's far greater. You don't have to be, they're six and seven years old. You don't have to be six and seven to be full of joy and, and have that innocence. You can be 80 years old and have that. It's awesome. God knows what he's doing. He knows. It's just a choice. Amen. So Ezekiel thirty six thirty six. Then the nations which are left all around you, you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. God is a God of rebuilding and restoring. Amen. He can restore things that were ruined. You might be sitting there thinking, I ruined it. Doesn't matter. God can rebuild in your life. God can restore. He's big enough. He's powerful enough. Amen. 
So I want to talk about the two stark contrasts of two people in the Bible. And they were related. Abraham and Lot. So, and actually, go ahead and turn to Proverbs 5.8 while we're doing this. And now I'm going to have to hurry. So, I was reading, I love reading about Abraham when he was just sitting in his tent and God showed up and they just went and they talked together. I could just sit and meditate on that for an entire day. Like, I just love the fellowship, the communion that they had together. So I was reading that, and then I I got to reading some more, and I realized, I didn't realize how close Lot was to him. He did not at that time, um, before, uh, you know, everyone knows Abraham had the son of promise and all those things. Before that, before he had any children, he had a nephew. His brother had Lot. And his brother died. And so Lot meant the world to him. It was like his son. Very important. He treated him like a son. And the whole trek when God told Abraham to leave, uh, to leave where he was, Lot was with him. Lot went with him. Lot saw. Abraham was holy. He was obedient. He was respectful. He was honorable to God. He was full of faith. When he went out into the land and ran, immediately ran across what big people, I think it was the Canaanites, they looked scary to him. What did he do? He immediately built an altar to the Lord there and worshiped God. He knew what to do. This was a man of experience with God, and he knew to get through these things. He knew to trust the Lord, and he knew he probably was like, okay, I got to get myself under control here. I don't know. We'll find out one day, but I mean, to me, that's awesome. Just stop and just focus on God and not on all the stuff that was uh, that was going on, the sights around him. He knew to do this, and he chose to do it, and Lot was with him and saw all of this. He was with him. Abraham just straight up went from blessing to blessing. You know, on a side note, um, God asked Abraham to leave his environment. You know, this just shows you how important your environment or detrimental your environment can be. Now listen, sometimes you might be in a workplace where you are stuck with people that are not great for you, and it's just tough. There's no excuse to not do it God's way, walk in love, be an example. You don't have to fall into the gossip that they're gossiping about. That's probably the number one thing people see at work that goes on. You do not. You can take a stand on that. There's no excuse. Um, God will get you out of that. He knows he knows, he knows if it's a situation where you need to put your big boy pants on and do what the word says, and when it can, it can be detrimental for you. And I believe God at the right time said, Abraham, let's go, because you're not going to be what you need to be right there, surrounded by the family, 
They're not faith people. Let's get out. Let's go do something new. He'll do the same thing for you. He's done it for me. I've had that situation, and God completely removed me from from it. I did the right thing, and it wasn't long, and total deliverance from from bad situation at work. So God will do that for you. So your environment can be important. So Lot. Lot, little by little, compromised his standards. How did he get to this place? That's how he got there. Little by little by little. He got away, the Bible shows us, from godly people the first chance that he could. So they get out of where they're at. They come to a place, and then they're living there, and God's blessing them. And then they're, they, they're, uh, their people and all their herds, the people that work for them, start bickering. And the land, it's, it's too crowded for them. And so... Abraham and Lot decide, okay, we need to have some space, you know, nip this in the bud right away. And Lot, first chance he could, got away from the godly people and the example that he had his whole life. He had a wonderful example. You know how far he moved? I looked it up. 2,000 miles away. That's far even now. That was back then when they were like... Like, you know, riding on whatever they rode on. <laughs> anyway, and I could be wrong on my numbers, but it was really far. So he should have stayed a lot closer to Abraham. He really should have. And as soon as Lot moves, he moves over towards the plains. He's not in Sodom, but he's close. He's on the plains. And he immediately meets Calamity while he's there. Has his stuff taken, his family. He gets capped taken captive, and Abraham has to swoop in and rescue him and take care of him. So he already runs into trouble, and then what happens after that? He stays there. He still chooses. It's these little choices. Chooses to stay near where he's at. And I noticed one thing as I was reading it. said the king of Sodom was there, and he saw, you know, he saw a lot. He saw how powerful he had powerful family. He saw, he had rich, powerful family. I believe that tied into, it says in the Bible, once he moved into Sodom and Gomorrah, he was in the gates. He was sitting there. The leaders of the community are generally the ones who sat at the gate. I'm sure that played into it. They're like, oh, we want this guy. So they probably started tugging on him a little bit. Come in here and you can be a powerful man. So Lot was influenced by things that he saw. He lived by sight. It says that, did I write it down? It says in, yeah, Genesis 13, 10. It says, and Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. He looked and lived and made his choice by sight. It looked good. It looked good on the surface. And he went. Abraham didn't choose any part of where he went by how it looked. Huge difference. He followed and went where God told him. And listen, I guarantee you, he sought the Lord all the way through. 
every step. You know, is this right? Am I going the right way? He took into consideration what the Lord thought. Amen? Big difference in their outcome. So turn, you're, you guys are in Proverbs 5, 8. So, so what happened a lot? We all know Sodom, he, 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 he was on the outskirts of Sodom and Gomorrah. I guarantee he heard all the fun they were having. It probably sounded like fun. They were a prosperous city. He probably smelled food and things. And he, he was looking at it. It wasn't far. He had it in front of him. So dumb. So dumb. Just to have temptation right where you can see it. Something that you know is not good for you. Proverbs 5, eight says, remove, this was talking about the, uh, what's it called? The what woman? The, the immoral woman. Remove your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. He's saying, don't even go near the door. These are things God put in the Bible for us to pay attention to. Do not even go near when you know something's not good for you. He, he got there, it was bad for him, and he even stayed. And then he moved even closer. And Sodom and Gomorrah already had a reputation. That's why he didn't immediately just go into the city. But then he just slipped right in. Well, what happened to him? He lost his entire family. He lost them. Well, he ran out with his wife. Yes, she made it a hot minute and turned into salt. So then she really didn't make it. Is it important to choose the right thing? To choose holiness, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult or uncomfortable it might feel at the moment? Is it worth it? We're studying these two men today, and one of them is not a good example, and we use him as a bad example. (laughs) And he lost his whole family. It was total destruction for him. But... I'm sure in his mind, it wasn't a big deal. I'm not doing what they're doing. He lost his whole family. I don't know what all he got involved in there. The Bible doesn't go into real specific details of it. It kind of leads you thinking that he kind of was careful and was, didn't get involved in everything that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. But... It doesn't matter. He still was there. I read that scripture last week. He's standing in the path of sinners. He's watching. He's there. He's involved. He didn't, he went, he didn't just go near the door. He went in the door. He was there. It caused total havoc and destruction for him and his family. Do not go near. You may think it only affects you. It can affect your children. It will affect your children. It will, it will, it will. If you know someone's not good for you, if you know something's not good for you, do not go near it. Amen? Listen, stay the course. Great things await us. Stay the course. Revelation twenty two twelve. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. He is coming back. 
He is coming back with reward. We get reward and blessing while we're here too. That's the awesome thing also. But he has more reward for you. 2 Timothy 4.8 Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will give to me on that day. You have good things that you don't want to miss out on. You do not want to miss it. You don't. Listen, we have eternity. And that's good news. But that can be rough news if you're going to spend eternity with regret. You don't want that. You're getting the warnings now. So you have no excuse. Listen, in heaven, there's going to be a lot of mercy. A lot of mercy, kindness, love, joy. But... No excuses. There will be no excuses that will fly. You will not be able to stand before the Lord and make excuses. We make excuses now. Nope. Next time you catch yourself making an excuse, just say, nope, nope, nope. Just don't do it. Listen, the grace is in us to choose to walk and stay on that path. It's in us. We can yield to it and we can lean in on it. If you have to stir yourself up on on what you're going to have, or from this point on tonight, think about Abraham, think about the choice he made, and how, I mean, entire, all of us are affected because of him and the choice that he made and, and his family. Think about that. Think about how great it is. It may not seem super great at the moment or super fun, but it will be. It will be. It will be. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.